I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community. In this space, we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. My goal here is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated and alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. All right, I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Chef Aisha, coming to us from, are you in Oakland? Are you in LA? Oakland, Oakland, California. Aisha is an incredible chef and now teacher and mentor online to other budding chefs. Thank you for making the time to be here today. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited. When I saw you online, you know, I was that, I'm going to, I'm going to totally put myself out there. I was that white person trying to make, you know, banana bread and make my videos in the beginning. And, um, and I cook and, and stuff, but I, I found your videos with a hashtag or something. And I just remember thinking, okay, now either I quit now while I'm ahead, cause I'm never going to be able to cook like you, or I study your videos, which I've been doing, which is great. So um, you've really had to do a shift. First of all, before we talk about the life that we have now, um, how are you doing? How are you handling all this? This is a lot. Yes. A lot is a lot. <laughs> the world is a lot. Um, you know, I, I'd say that I'm handling it pretty well. The transition of, uh, you know, working in restaurants and now uh, being at home and being creative and, and trying to find ways to still feed people. Um, but I, I'd say that I'm doing pretty good given the circumstances of, uh, of everything, the political climate. Um, yeah, I'm doing, doing pretty good right now. Well, good. Well, you had started before COVID and before the world as we know it shifted. Um, you had started a pop-up series in the Bay Area. And if anybody is not familiar with it, I'd love for you to tell people a little bit more about it. Yeah. So, you know, what's, what's interesting is um, I was like on the brink of starting this pop-up series. Like I, uh, I secured a, a building from one of my first employers. Uh, she was gifting me the building so I could go ahead and, and live out my dreams. And then I also got an mm-hmm. offer from uh, my current employer or who was my current employer at Zuni in San Francisco uh, to, to use their facility. And um, as those things were getting secured, then we started to get the notification that uh, coronavirus was like setting in. And I'm sure like a lot of other people in the restaurant, you you were there and you got this notification that's like, okay, we're going to have to start cutting hours. And then you see like five people in the kitchen, then two people. And then all of a sudden quarantine hit. So um, just as quickly as things were budding, they also stopped just as quickly. Yeah. Wow. That had to be quite a pivot for you. I've watched people in the restaurant and I come from a restaurant family background. Mm -hmm. And so I've watched people have to think on their feet and shift really fast and make ideas happen. And I've noticed that you've done that. And that's 
hard. I mean, let me just be super clear because I was raised in a restaurant family and you trained at one of the best restaurants in the world, Alinea, um, which I watched on Chef's Table and I was just obsessed. I was obsessed. I was like, give me an herb pillow. What are you talking about? Yeah, Alinea is um, really hard work. Yeah. Yeah, it takes so much out of your life already. So having to make that shift had to be hard. How how did you pivot? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. I think for the first for the first week, I was uh, I was cooking a lot and I was drinking a lot of rosé um, <laughs> and really trying to understand what was going to happen because for the first like even the first month, I think a lot of people, at least me. Uh, and my team were were optimistic that the restaurant was going to reopen. We we didn't really understand the gravity of the situation until um, until the time extended. So um, yeah, so for the first like few weeks, I would think I was just still like hopeful and like um, and then after I realized that we were going to be like in quarantine for a good amount of time, then um, I was like, I need to since I'm cooking so much, I might as well just start doing cooking videos. Like, I think that's just how the idea came up. I'm like, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to be able to have people try my food, but now since we're all at home cooking, um, professionals and non-professionals, um, I thought it would be a good way to extend the things that I, I care about, uh, to other people. And yeah, so it just, it, it happened that way. And then I went on uh, YouTube and I started like studying, um, there were some pretty cool people that gave you the game of like how to structure things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And then that combined with my own artwork and like needing to tell people the history of things and retelling history, if it was once told one way. Um, yeah, I just combined all of those things and, and wrote them down and now it's happening. <laughs> I love that. And you're teaching, right? Definitely. That's, I mean, that's a, it's extremely important to me. Um, to be able to to teach people things that I I know, you know I think that um, as well as learning from other people, which is this community has been able to to give me that. Right, I love that. You know, I often talk about the the mental health side of the uh, cooking world in the restaurant industry mm-hmm. because that's something that growing up I saw a lot of. I saw you know my uncles never taking vacations or breaks. And then I watch some of these cooking shows like Chef's Table and I see these chefs that are arguably a little out of their minds, but it's because you kind of have to be. So how are you taking care of yourself right now? I know you just had a very substantial loss and I'm so sorry, your dad. And I I know that um, self-care right now and taking care of ourselves mentally, especially in the restaurant industry, and then on top of the racial pandemic, the, you know, viral pandemic life. How are you doing that? Yeah. You know, um, one day at a time, (laughs) but with the, but with, uh, hopeful plans, you know, um, as you mentioned, I I did lose my dad this past July and that was very quick and, and unexpected for my family. I guess like a long time coming unexpected type of situation. Mm Um, um, but I think right now, uh, what I'm doing for my mental health is definitely uh, finding new things to cook. I just, I love to cook and my dad was a chef. And so it's important to me that I continue to to carry on that passion. Um, I also, I enjoy working out. And so, but I, I also enjoy the gym. I enjoy lifting and we've kind of opened up a little bit 
I'm saying that hesitantly because we know that. We open <laughs> yes. um, so I try to go when the gym is empty, which it pretty much is. Um, yeah. So the gym cooking and uh, spending time with family, like my, my little sister has a, a, a little baby that's like just hit a year. And so I've been spending a lot of time with her, got her some like gardening stuff. And so, um, yeah, just enjoying, enjoying time with family. Um, and now, and now being able to really touch my community, even though I'm not able to be out there in the way that I was. Yeah. Food really connects people. And I love that you love to cook because I'm definitely that amateur home chef, hundred percent Italian. Like that's how I show my love. That's my love language. And I, I once, it's funny. I once dated someone that I realized I had to break up with immediately because he, he, he didn't have a passion for food. Ooh, like I, would, yeah. I brought something like amazing, amazing Thai food. And I was like, do, what do you want to eat? And he was like, whatever, I don't care. And I brought this amazing Thai food. And I was like, wasn't this incredible? Like it's the best Thai food in the city. And he was like, yeah, it's all right. I just kind of eat to survive. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I can't do that. So I love that old movie, um, like water for chocolate. Where oh, yeah. she, okay. Have you seen it? No, I just know the common album, like water for chocolate. <laughs> okay. So it's an old Spanish movie from like, uh, I want to say it's like 1992, 91. And it's so, it's a chef's dream because it talks about this woman who, um, as she, she falls in love with a man who ends up marrying her sister and her heartache, she cooks and she makes these tamales and these tortillas and she mm. makes this these meals and she cries while she cooks. And then everyone that eats her food weeps because they feel what she put in her food. Wow. And then there's one where she like has this affair with him and they like have sex like as she's cooking. And so everyone gets super horny when they eat her food. It's right. incredible. It's so no, like, that sounds, that sounds dope. It sounds magical actually. Yes. It's super magical. And between that one and big night, which is one of my favorite Italian cooking food movies, it's just literally, they cook a seven course Italian meal um, and they have like food cameras and it's just this amazing movie. So I just love, I love that you have a passion for it. And when for your self care, you cook, because I feel like in the restaurant industry, that's why I don't have a restaurant. Um, I could have, because I was in the family business, but I want to still love doing it. So you got have to have like a million more passion points than me to actually still love doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's definitely different. Um, you know, working in the restaurant, it's, it's, it's a love to be in the restaurant, but there's also a hustle that comes with it. There is, you know, there's a concentration, there's an organization and, um, you know, sometimes it's crazy cause you have to, you do have to be a little, a little crazy, you know, to, to be able to put like 12, 15 hour days in and, and maybe sometimes not even eat and you're constantly cooking this amazing food. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's yeah. And it's, you know, I don't know if, and correct me if, if you don't feel this way, but I feel like restaurant culture is a very special place. You know, there's there's a scene in that movie, Big Night, where they have this huge, you know, seven course meal and there's this big group of people they're cooking for and there's this movie star coming. And then the next morning, they're kind of hungover and it's the it's the chef hungover. It's not hungover hungover. Right. It's because they cooked seven courses. Yes. And they're just like, they're tearing off like fresh bread. They're on this gas stove. They're making like egg, you know, scrambled eggs for each other with just like fresh bread. And I, I remember doing that in the restaurant. Like 
after a really busy Saturday night, mm-hmm. the next morning we get there for the lunch crowd and we're making breakfast because we just got up and, you know, yeah. scrambled eggs on the stove. And there's something very heartwarming about restaurant culture to me. Definitely. Definitely. And family meal is one of the those things to me, you know, um, and to see how family meal is done in different areas. You know, like when I went to um, Alinea, family meal was, it's in, it was interesting. Sometimes family meal was... Um, completely purchased by a really well-known, delicious local place. Um, And other times it was made. um, And the food that was made was like the nice homemade food, you know. Um, And then, you know, go to to Zuni and uh, you have somebody that's designated to family meal and they're looking out for like dietary restrictions, um, you know, and just it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a comfort on a different level and definitely a different type of family atmosphere where, we're all connected by the same thing. And um, yeah, it is really special. I agree. I love that. I love that you get it. I, I have family dinner every week just because, you know, we're all in our pods now, but I feel like if we can't gather at least once a week with our families now and I can kind of cook and, you know, I have time. I didn't have time for, I was traveling and speaking. I have time to make fresh pasta now. I have time to like do things that I didn't before that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to dig into that. But like, what I love about restaurants that the ones that you've worked at is the, the care. And this is the side of me. That's a hostess and a host mm-hmm. is that the care that they take in knowing their guests every night, there's yeah. a, I'm fascinated. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the mom and pops. I love the small places that are just, you know, get them in, get them out. And you just, you walk in and get a table. I love that. But I love, you know, I was on the guest list for, um, Osteria matzah. Okay. Um, and I made a, a really nice reservation when I was in LA last and I went and their staff did such a great job of knowing me before I even walked in the door. Yes. And I find that that's a level of service that that's why you get stars. That's why you get accolades. Absolutely. And Alinea I heard is really good at that too. And I just love it. I love, they walked in and they were like, how was your flight? How was your, your exhibit that you did? Um, you know, do you, did you, do you like your Airbnb? And I was just like, who are you? How do you know me? And it was lovely. There's a, there's a level that you pay for in these uh, nicer restaurants that is not always about the food. Right. You're so right. You know, Alinea and Chez Panisse uh, was really, goodness gracious, Chez Panisse was really awesome about that. I remember, um, so I, I interned there for a while and, um, before dinners, it would be just like a big study session. The same thing with Zuni, but like this one was a little more like dialed in. So um, yeah, you would they would look at every every table and see what was going on. Is this a vegetarian table? Uh, is this a non-dairy? And really spend time on each and every uh, table that made it super special. Um, and I thought that was really awesome. It was it's a it's a way to kind of like also mitigate any risk <laughs> by knowing you know what's going on from end to end. Um, but also to make the person feel extremely special. And and sometimes if they only had like one vegan in the house, then they're like, okay, what are we about to, what are we about to hook them up with? What are we going to make special for them tonight? Um, and I thought that was phenomenal. And even the way that they did their family meal is like out of this world. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to share it. Cause I need, if people get to intern, they, that's like a, really yeah, wow. a, it's a special experience in itself. But um they put a lot of care into uh, their food and their people and educating, like really allowing, like they let me break down a whole lamb and just really allowing people to, to submerge themselves in the culture if they want to learn, you know, 
Um, yeah, so Chez Panisse is, is definitely a special place. I think food makes us feel comfort. It makes us feel at home. And I think when people make an effort to make us feel seen and wanted and heard on top of that comfort that we're getting from the food, that's mm-hmm. priceless to me. I Chef um, Eduardo, I don't remember his last name, that owns a really good restaurant here called June Baby. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. yes. And it's, uh-huh. it's a lovely restaurant. And there were some critics when he opened talking about how expensive his food is. And he was like, and because it's Southern food and it's, it's plantation food, he promotes it as that. And so they're like, why is it so? And he said, listen, what you don't realize is you're not getting like a, a regular chicken from the store. Like you're getting ingredients that cost a certain amount. I'm paying my staff more than the average place pays their staff. Mm-hmm. We are going to lo- big efforts to figure out who you are when you come in the door, the efforts. And I appreciate that breakdown because I don't think everybody gets it, but right. I want to pay for that. I want to pay for the better food and the better process and the better quality. And right. I think right. people are so used to instant everything nowadays. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like the way you, that you worded that article. I mean, the, the rephrase of that, because I mean, it's true. You're not, you're not dealing with scraps any longer. So if you're, if you're considering some of the history of, you know, the diaspora and, and soul food. And um, a lot of people know soul food is like the scraps of what um, the slaves had to eat. And um, so, but when you're dealing with food now and some areas where you have more accessibility to things uh, and you actually know the farm that your meat is coming from, um, I guess, uh, if you know the farm that you're, um, your, your meat is coming from, then it definitely changes the quality. You know, you're not, you're no longer getting, getting scraps. So that's, um, yeah. And that, that definitely makes a difference in, in the pricing of things, which I've seen in a lot of different restaurants that I've worked at, you know, you're going to pay a certain price point in San Francisco for like, I mean, farm to table is not even uncommon anymore. That's just what California, right, right. California is. But, um, but yeah, there's definitely a difference in getting scraps versus knowing exactly what you're getting and from who. Right. And, you know, there's that old uh, hilarious Portlandia episode where, you know, they talk about the name of the chicken. His name was Colin. Oh my gosh. I love love that episode. Oh my goodness. Portlandia is hilarious. You remember when that was like a weird thing and now it's like not too uncommon actually. (laughs) Literally how it goes now. It literally is like, what was his name? Like What was his name? What was he said? Did he have a good life? Like, I'm just like, oh. (laughs) You know, I do come from an old school family Italian restaurant too that I'm like, like, I, I have to admit, I miss things like being able to smoke cigarettes in the back room, being mm-hmm. able to like, you know, like the 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 chefs like literally exhausted out the back door smoking joints and like drinking red wine. Like there's uh-huh. this kind of grungy culture to it as well that I'm not mad at. Like we would just make pizzas because we, we made pizzas too. We would just make pizzas and sit in the back on our breaks and just, you know, smoke cigarettes out the back door and like. I don't know. There's something about that culture that I wish everybody could experience at least once. Seriously, seriously. And it's like, like hidden rock stars. It's really awesome um, <laughs> to be able to be a part of something like that. And no, and like when you walk out of the restaurant and like, and say like walking out of Zuni and I'm going like walking down, you know, um, where's that rose? They have like this alley and like people, you see people and you pass them and they, some people just never know, you know, you never know what somebody has going on in their life. And they might not even know that you just cooked them what they felt like was the best meal, you know, that they've had all year. 
Um, and that's pretty special, you know, to be able to walk around with that type of like confidence and knowing that you're like feeding people, but not necessarily have to have the the spotlight, you know, that's, it's pretty cool. I love that because it is a humble kind of, yeah, it's a humble place to be, but also like, Hmm, that was me. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's funny you said rock star because, uh, the, the restaurant that I worked out of my family's is right by in the middle of like the Seattle center. So back in the nineties, when I worked there, um, we would get like members of the Seattle Supersonics and, you know, uh, Pearl Jam and people like that. It's, I don't know about you, but it's interesting. You learn so much about influencers and celebrities when you see how they handle themselves at a nice restaurant or at a restaurant in general. Okay. I just remember serving some like, you know, oh, this is too spicy. You literally ordered the spiciest thing on the menu. It even says it. It's called a rabiata. It's called angry pasta. Like, you know what I mean? And like listening to people or like people that can't, um, can't respect a server and like their hard job um, or, you know, ask for things off the menu that they know they can't do. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It's a, it's also a very, um, spoiled and, um, privileged industry as well. Yes. Yeah. You're right. It, it is very telling, um, how, <laughs> how any guest, but yeah, a guest period, um, interacts with the staff. It is very telling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would rather, I, I actually am one of those people because I was a server so, for so long, I will never tip someone badly because I know people live off tips Mm-hmm. If anything, I'll contact management or I'll say like, listen, this could have been done better. I feel like it might be affecting like the quality of your restaurant, but I wouldn't take that away from, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's it's an industry that has so is so thankless. And that's why I feel like now with COVID and the fact that people are struggling restaurant wise, it's so heartbreaking for me. Every time I go anywhere to get takeout, I'm like, I'm going to pay you almost the exact same amount in a tip because I just feel like I don't know what else to do to help you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. And even takeout, you know, I don't, I don't think that people uh, before COVID and before, you know, everybody had to start doing takeout. I don't know if people realize that it's good to tip, even if you're just coming to pick up the food. Cause like somebody still had to prepare it, you know, cause like in a lot of the restaurants that I've worked at um, there hasn't been any like split back of house, like getting tips, but you know, people that prepare the food or people that are 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 giving it to you should still uh, receive something. So I don't think that that's a that's known. So yeah, if you're getting takeout and you don't tip, like somebody has to prepare it, you should for sure tip. Yeah. So do you have a comfort food? Do you have something that you go to? Like, is your go to when you're like mental health? You're like, I need a bowl of cereal or whatever. You know, um, <laughs> that's a great question. I think I really feel like my comfort food is. Uh, I mean, I love collard greens. Um, so just, just the other day, I actually went and got some collard greens and some ribs and, um, Mm. I really feel like, yeah, like collard greens, ribs, macaroni and cheese. Like it's crazy because I only really eat those things either when I'm with family, uh, where aunts are preparing, you know, those type of like around the holidays, or if, um, I'm just like, I just need a day to just eat whatever I want. (laughs) And yesterday was, was one of those days, um, but it's not the way that I cook because it's very heavy for me in certain instances. So yeah, I, I would say that those are like, that's what I considered comfort. Um, but it's, I just, I don't have the taste or the the want to cook a macaroni and cheese every day of the week or not even once a month. It's just, it's a lot to me. I think yeah. it's more nostalgic for me that like when family gets together and are able to experience 
you know, this, this whole situation. I think that's what, I think that's what speaks to me the most. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, for those that don't, I, I've never made ribs in my life. Um, okay. I've made macaroni and cheese. Like I've, you know, one of my partners is Southern. And so I, you know, definitely got their, uh, Kentucky, you know, Louisville, Kentucky mama's recipe of mac and cheese, which is dope. But, um, you should do like, I'm just saying for future videos, if you're taking requests, like an easy ribs recipe, like for those of us that don't make ribs, okay. there's gotta be a good recipe in there somewhere. Yeah, I did. A, I think I did a, um, a jerk rib recipe. It was an adaptation from Tanya Hollins, but I think that was grilled. I could definitely do something that's a little mm. more straightforward in the oven. Um, yeah. yeah, that would be yeah, I mean, I know all of us, those of us that cook are getting our menus ready for the holidays. I mean, small parties now, small right. groups of us. I mean, it's just going to be like four of us. Um, but are you, do you cook anything specific that everybody in your family is like, you have to make that this year? Well, now collard greens. Really? <laughs> like, so I was only cooking collard greens. I mean, I was only eating collard greens for the longest um, from my aunts. And I think at a certain point, I'm like, you know what, like, family stopped getting together as much. And I'm like, I need to know how to make these greens. And so um, now that I've been cooking them for a number of years, then collard greens are definitely the request for me. But this year I'm going to be doing, um, I'm going to be making gumbo and Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about, I'm about to make gumbo for my little sister, my mom. And um, yeah. yeah, And it's actually like, I just learned from the chef on IG that I met this guy, Jay, which is really awesome. And he happens to live like 40 miles from me. And I took this like cooking class with him and um, he shared this gumbo recipe and I probably will never put it up on Instagram. It's going to have to be like some exclusive, like, you know, situation, but, and because gumbo is just, it's so special. I I had a conversation with my partner about this. I'm like, I don't think I can put gumbo on my IG page. Like I have to be able to like share it with the person in a different way. I can't edit Mm -hmm. it down to like four or five minutes, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a special, a special thing, especially I think in the, the, uh, the black community. Can we do, can we do only fans just for recipes? <laughs> I know. Right. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I would pay for an only fans for like special recipes before I pay for nudes. Like I'm here for that. Like for sure, give for me sure. that secret gumbo. Like you got to subscribe to my only fans to get the gumbo recipe. That would be dope. That would totally exactly. turn only fans on its side. Yeah, please. For real. Right. Yeah. My, um, Every year, I only make timpano once a year. And the last year, I actually decided not to make it because it's nine hours of prep. Give me it's the all- breakdown on timpano. I'm not... I'm not uh, okay, you need to watch Big Night to see th- them make it in there. So timpano is a... It's made in an enamel bowl, one of those big enamel bowls. Okay. And you line the bowl with pasta dough and enough to be able to cover it. And then inside is... Um, you make and you make a ragu sauce with pork on the side. You make meatballs with pork and ground meat, and that but they're mini meatballs. And then you cut up um, Genoa salami. You cut up provolone, parmesan, and then you make penne pasta. And you layer it like a lasagna in this huge bowl. You turn it. You put it over, and then you put sauce and egg and everything on top. And oh then you fold it. You put you put egg on top of it, and then you bake it. And then when it's done, it sounds like a timpani drum. That's why it's called timpano. Wow. And then you turn it over. I will send you pictures of the one I make every year. It is. Ooh, is this so my, my daughter last year was like, I sent the, the the menu to everybody last Christmas. And she was like, you're not making timpano. And I was like, 
bro, it's like nine hours. Wow, and she went down. She was like, I, I, I wait for it every year. And I was like, fuck, okay, I'll make it. Like I was just, right. when you know somebody wants it, it's like exciting. So then exactly, you slice yeah. it, you turn it over and you slice it like a pie. Mm-hmm. And people get these huge slices of layers of pasta, meat. Oh, there's also hard boiled eggs in it. Wow. Like, so you get these slices of eggs and all these things, but the, the cheese has melted, you know, the, the provolone and everything is melted in there. And it's just like this party in your mouth. It sounds like heaven, man. It's magical. Wow. 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 And I'm like sitting here, like on Ratatouille, just envisioning the whole situation. That's awesome. That's yeah, I'm gonna have to make a video of that one because the prep Heck time yeah. is like stupid, but it's so worth it. And you have, you know, leftovers forever. That's Christmas. So um Thanksgiving, I always do Southern food. Okay. And then Christmas, I always do Italian food. Um, because Italians don't really like Thanksgiving. They think turkeys are cheap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know what you used to always say, Fuck a turkey. We don't have turkey. We have like the best piece of roast you've ever had. Like turkey's right. cheap. And I'm like, I love turkey. It. I don't know about you. If you got so, it. Um, we're going to make a salad. Yes. Is that right? You want to tell people what we're going to make? It'll be a video extra that you all can get. Um, it'll be an extra on the website and then you can get it on, on Instagram too. But what are we making? For sure. Yeah. So we're going to make a persimmon salad with a Buddhist hand vinaigrette. And we're going to put some pomegranate seeds in there, some fresh mint, and it's going to be delicious. It's a like perfect so- fall salad and a great way to like use Buddha's hand. If you've never heard yeah, of it. I'm so excited. Um, so I do have some um, lightning round questions that I ask everybody at the end of my podcasts. Um, so yeah, there's just a few. First of all, as a chef, I know you probably curse a lot. What is your favorite swear word? Okay. Um, this is not even a, okay. I, I'm trying to be PC. And I was going to say like, damn, but I guess shit, but that's like that, that just works for everything in the kitchen. And I think you find out that you have more swear words than you knew that you had in your pocket when you are in the kitchen, especially if you're getting burned. It's like, oh shit, fuck, fuck, fuck. you know, um, but <laughs> she would be, <laughs> she would be the one. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love that. Um, Right now, especially when you cook, because I know I listen to music. Do you have a favorite album that you're listening to that's helping you get through quarantine or that type of music or album that you're listening to when you cook? Yeah, um, I'm listening to a few people right now. I'm listening to Giveon and I'm listening to Don Tolliver. Uh, those are some really dope artists. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so I don't think this will be hard, but... Name one to two people that have inspired you to be who you are today, but they cannot be white, cisgendered, heterosexual men. I figure that's not a problem, but okay. that's my rule. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Um, so one, my dad, uh, his, name mm-hmm. is, his name is Marvin Baker, um, and uh, Dominica Rice at um, Cosecha. She owns Cosecha in, uh, in Oakland, and she's, she's effing amazing. She's yeah. So those are the, my, my two people for sure. I love that. Okay. Last one. If you could have lunch with your younger self, what age would you be? What would you make? What would you eat or go out to eat? Or what would you make for yourself? And what would you tell yourself? Okay. That's a great, um, that's a great question. If it I was did. asked to me once in an interview when I cried, when I answered it. And so I was like, I want to know what everybody says to this. Yeah. 
My younger self. Okay, so if I, and I'm just going to repeat this just for clarity. So mm-hmm. if I could have lunch with my younger self, what would I make? And what, what would you eat? What yeah, would what eat? would you eat together? How long or how old would you be approximately? What would you eat together? And what would you tell yourself? Huh. Eek. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really have this really fond memory when I was like seven years old uh, going to go eat with my mom at this Thai place. And um, I remember like, I can see the, see the dish in front of me. So I would be, I would be that age. I would be <laughs> seven years old and I would, uh, it would be a pan seared trout um, mm-hmm. with like a Thai inspired sauce. And for dessert, it would be, um, I think it was like bananas foster. That would be the like whole complete meal. And what would I tell myself? Wow. I would tell myself to marinate on this meal and pay attention because what I'm about to experience is going to influence the rest of my life. Wow. First of all, can we talk about the fact that you ate that at seven? I don't think I've had bananas foster and I'm 45. I yeah, love it. Pretty special. Yeah, it was a special lunch, a really, really cool lunch with my mom and those flavors. Just like all of that is amazing. Not only that, but I also feel like um, you, it sounds like your taste buds were very refined at a young age. Yeah, you know, hindsight, they were. <laughs> they were for sure. Well, this makes me excited to cook with you. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast officially and tell people where they can find you online. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at round midnight dinner. And uh, you can go to my website to, to find find out more about me or future events at roundmidnightdinner.com. Perfect. Now we're going to go cook. Yes. This is awesome. Thank you so much for the invite. This is really awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join our quickly growing online community where there is always someone to hold a space for you if you feel alone. If you have an idea for an upcoming guest or topic, please don't hesitate to reach out. All social media links and contact information can be found at my website, MaryAngelaAbeo.com. And until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands, wear a damn mask, defund the police, pay the fee, basically continue fighting for the rights of indigenous and black lives everywhere, including and especially black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.